Well, guys, I don't mean to alarm anyone, but my laptop's been looking at me kind of funny. So I've been listening to the British feminist punk band X-Ray Specs. That was just them there with the song Artificial. And I've just been reveling in the energy and the clever, sassy lyrics. And the lyrics to the song Genetic Engineering, which I'll play at the end of the show, they got me pondering hard about uh, one of the big big themes we all need to be thinking more about and that's AI artificial intelligence now I'm not gonna mince my words we're gonna do it we're totally gonna build Terminator or the Matrix machines or those bots in Westworld or HAL 9000 from Space Odyssey yeah I'm familiar with the films of cinema the point is should we be concerned because real-life Tony Stark Elon Musk He's worried. He thinks that AI is our greatest existential threat. That's a direct quote. And Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking, they kind of agree with him. Pretty ungrateful, Stephen, right? Given you use AI to speak. Ah, shit. I hope Meryl Streep doesn't do a speech about me now. But anyway, I want to engage in some fear-mongering. It's quite fashionable these days, fear-mongering, isn't it? So... Have you ever heard of the paperclip maximizer analogy? It doesn't sound too scary, does it? But it is. And after the break, I'm going to tell you why. Hey boys and girls, so we're talking about artificial intelligence and whether it's an existential threat as Elon Musk says, and he's in very good company, including Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking, and other smart people in and out of wheelchairs. But first of all, I guess we need to understand where the problem is. We know that unless we blow ourselves into oblivion first, which is, to be honest, a situation that seems increasingly likely, we will keep building better computers. I think we agree with that, right? We, if we don't die first, we will keep building better shit. And if we do, it seems likely we'll build something that has what we call general intelligence. Now, general intelligence is what we have, we humans. It's the ability to learn new concepts and employ them across fields in a different sphere of activity. So, right now, computers, like, say, a chess computer, that AI can only play chess. It does it really, really well, better than any human, but that's all it can do. General intelligence would be able to leverage that chess playing ability and use it to learn new stuff like poetry or music or learning how to read or building walls or even making war and so on and so forth. But where's the problem, right? Wouldn't it just be like us? If it had general intelligence, it would have our same kind of intelligence? Well, no, because it wouldn't be just like us. Because computers are already far, far beyond our abilities in terms of pure performance. Think of processing speeds. The processing speed of your calculator in your pocket or your phone is millions and millions of times faster than you or I. So if that phone had general intelligence, it would be, it would have the ability to improve itself across all fields, but at a, at a speed that you and I can't even comprehend. Oh, but a machine could never do that. Well, why not? If you believe that a machine could never achieve that kind of general intelligence, then you have to come up with a convincing reason for me and for yourself why you think that the wet grey matter in our skulls has some special property or has, for some reason, it is inherently more capable of producing general intelligence than, you know, circuits and silicon. 
So let's say we get to the point where AI develops general intelligence. Big question is whether or not it would even be conscious. Could it just? It could just be an unconscious being that works automatically. But an even bigger, bigger question is than the one we'll ask now: is could it develop goals that are incompatible with our own? And that's what we'll talk about after the break. We're talking about artificial intelligence and whether we should be, if you pardon my French, bricking it. So the paperclip optimizer is a thought experiment uh, come up with by Nick Bostrom, scientist, philosopher, and author of Superintelligence, which is an amazing book you absolutely have to read, and pretty much is the alpha and omega on the topic of AI and fear of AI and its harmful potential, well, potentially harmful potential. So. The paperclip optimizer is an AI that has a purpose, an instruction to collect all the paperclips it can to maximize the number of paperclips in its possession. So it starts out by collecting the paperclips and making money to buy clips, maybe manufacturing paperclips. But this AI has general intelligence, and you can and it can learn and improve itself. And as it improves itself, its ability to improve itself also improves. So it undergoes what's known as an intelligence explosion, which is an exponential improvement that we can't stop. That's too fast. And by improving itself, it also increases its ability to maximize paperclips. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, at some point, it might start coming up with all kinds of crazy ways to maximize those paperclips. It might even convert some of the matter in the solar system into paperclips. You know, I mean, we already can do paper, you know, paper, well, paper printing. Yes, we can do that. But 3D printing, we can actually start to transmogrify uh, matter, atoms of one sort into atoms of another sort, just like the sun does when it transforms hydrogen into helium and so on and so forth, and carbon, etc. So, because this AI has such a narrow functional utility, functional purpose, our ethical values don't mean shit to it. You know, life, happiness, joy, all that. All that is subordinated to the AI's hunt for paperclips. And at some point, it could decide that maybe there's a better use for all the atoms in your body as paperclips. And this is the problem: that an AI that can have such a great utility function and purpose can be amazing at it, while being totally indifferent to our human values. And that artificial general intelligence that is not specifically programmed to be benevolent towards us could be just as dangerous as if it were designed to be malevolent. A safe AI would therefore have to be programmed explicitly with our kind of values and with the ability to to to. Infer those human values by itself. So, okay, let's do that then. Let's just program AI that way. Phew, that was close. But wait, what does the best case scenario look like? Because after the break, we'll be looking at the fact that even the best case scenarios look kind of bleak. We're talking about super intelligent AI and whether we should be afraid of its inevitable arrival. We haven't looked at the worst-case scenario because that's a scenario where the AI is actively malevolent towards us. But we did look at a middling scenario, one where it's neutral to our values, but it's just really good at what it does, and its aims become antithetical to our own. That's starting to look a bit like some of the movies we're all familiar with. But what about the best-case scenario, or maybe mid another middling case scenario? What if AI were all good and just dedicated to making our lives better? Well, this is already happening. See, blue-collar workers are already losing their jobs to AI all over the world. And sure, Trump is saying he'll bring the jobs back from China or whatever. But but the point is that in the next ten years, all those jobs will be done by bots. So 
I mean, just watch season two of The Wire and Frank Sabotka's speech on this. It's and it's not just blue collar lawyers like me. In twenty years' time, that's all gone. We, we won't need people to be doing due diligence. That's already being outsourced to India. The next step down from that is artificial intelligence. I'm not saying that to be politically incorrect. That's just the trend we're going down. What jobs will human beings find uh, in in a world where bots can? do everything that we can, especially if they have general intelligence. This is why forward-thinking people are already talking about universal basic income. And as production costs will keep going down, we'll have a situation where a few of us reap the benefit and are going to be like incredibly wealthy and lazy. Think about those fat dudes in red in uh, you know that cartoon, Pixar cartoon, Wall-E, they're just sitting around in couches getting fat and watching TV. And the rest of us are going to be like the proles in Elysium policed by Robocop-like drones. Well, this doesn't look quite as nice, but let's say it's not that bad. Let's say it's this is just really helpful, benign, lovely AI that is designed just to make everyone's life better. And your technology will improve and it will just make everyone's life happy. How will the other superpowers react if they hear that the nerds in Silicon Valley are about to come up with artificial general superintelligence, right? What, what are they going to do? This machine would quite clearly be capable of incredible things, making everyone super rich, and be capable of waging war strategically on a level beyond anything we can even imagine. Uh, not just terrestrial war, I mean cyber war as well, obviously. It would be unprecedented in terms of power. And what, Putin's just going to stand around and watch? Yeah, yeah, you guys go ahead. You know, this is a winner-take-all situation, like the arms race was with the Soviets. I mean, what are they going to do? What are, what's going to happen when they hear that this is coming? So the best-case scenario is actually starting to look pretty scary. So uh, this isn't looking very good, is it? More after the break. So we've reached the end of our little show on artificial intelligence and on whether it's a threat to humanity or not. The biggest problem, as I see it, is uh, the control problem. This is a technical term I learned from Nick Bostrom's book, Superintelligence. That once you switch the button on, on this artificial general intelligence, it's too fast, it'll get away from you. Why? Well, because its processing power and speed is just beyond our wildest imagination, and its ability to improve itself is also too fast. So once you switch it on, it could go through the equivalent of 10,000 years of human evolution in a matter of seconds. How do you control that? It'll get away, right? This is something that is infinitely more powerful and smarter than us, that might not be tethered to our human values, and that's the fundamental issue. How can we predict what its actions would be, whether its, its aims would be compatible with ours? How can we control it? Should we even be as presumptuous to think that we should control it? Because this is something that by definition is better than us in almost every conceivable way. It might make a calculation that we're just not equipped to make and see that the long-term best-case outcome for the universe is our extinction. What are we going to do? Fight that? I mean, maybe it would be right. It would probably be better equipped than us to make that call. So what do we do? We take our foot off the gas and just say no more AI? We can't do that. We've got situations and problems with climate change, medical issues, welfare, economic instability, was things that AI could be a massive help with. So I think we're stuck with it for now. But uh, it's a worrying thought. So I'm going to leave you with a quote by Sam Harris who 
talks a lot about this. He has a great TED talk about it, which uh, I recommend you watch. We seem to be in the process of building a god. Now would be a good time to wonder whether it will be a good one. Now I'll leave you finally with the song that uh, started my whole musing, that set it all off. It's by the 70s British feminist punk rock band X-Ray Specs and it's genetic engineering. I urge you to hear the lyrics because uh, they're pretty smart and they're about what we've been talking about. Guys, this has been a pleasure. This is Pop Philosophy and I'm Patrick, a former banking lawyer who saw the light and quit to talk nonsense into an aging phone. Speak soon. Bye. <laughs>